Section86.com. We're changing the world of podcasting one show at a time. 86 Productions. podcast providing the most in-depth insight and analysis into the world of professional wrestling on this special episode we have roger aaron and doug to join anders we discuss this month's view from the turnbuckle actually but what are we actually talking about we're talking about our year end awards aaron how should we start off this year end awards yeah so uh we like to start off with the uh, newcomer of the year now this is an award as i like to preface every single year it's new to the scene new to the the major scene so for example uh, Eddie Kingston, who had been a veteran, he's been around the the block a number of times. Uh, some people might have seen him in NWA uh, last year, but realistically, I think he made his biggest splash being in AEW this year. Uh, so he's somebody that potentially could be, uh, you know, uh, a potential for the newcomer of the year, regardless of the fact that he's been wrestling for like 19 years now. Um, so with that said, though, uh, my newcomer of the year is actually uh, Karrion Cross, And while I did, you know, know of a person called Killer Cross and TNA, uh, you know, when I saw Karrion Cross come on, the first thought is, of course, okay, this the package that they put for this guy, obviously they, they have big plans for him, and this is a, a Vince Pet project. But I think that he's solid. I think that he's somebody that, if done well in NXT, he could be, you know, that monster heel, you know, that Brock Lesnar almost like figure. Uh, and so Karrion Cross is my newcomer of the year. So in this one, um, I had Cross up there. Um, I had heard of Cross, but I had not seen him before. Admittedly, his work in TNA was a mystery to me. I also have Dexter Loomis, who I thought really kind of broke out into the scene this year. Lance Archer, I did recall him from uh, TNA, I want to believe. I want to say he was Lance Hoyt before, but he definitely has improved a significant amount. Um, But to what Aaron said at the beginning, Eddie Kingston is my newcomer of the year. Um, he really knocked it out of the park, in my opinion, with his main event feud on AEW. Really showed how good of a talker he is. He just he makes you want to punch him in the mouth. He's so unlikable and he's so good on the stick that I think he's going to be a fixture for a long time. And that's a very good thing. I agree. I think Eddie Kingston is the fact that he has wrestled also for 19 years. And this is the first that we're really seeing of him. Uh, but I think he has a uh, main event potential. He really makes you feel the, any storyline that he's in. Um, and really makes the feud what it is. So I'm excited to see him go on and do more things. And uh, Roger brought up actually the person who I picked, which was Dexter Loomis. I believe, even though he was in TNA, I still believe that uh, I-, I like the character that they're going with it. It's the it's the long burn, and uh, I really hope that eventually he ends with uh, feuding with, uh, of course, the Fiend. So, uh, Aaron, what are we going after this? Yeah, so the next one we have is a video of the year. And so this is a video package. Originally, we had DVD of the year. Obviously, that went out of style. But, you know, kind of previous years, we did things like the CM Punk documentary, the history of WWE. um, And we've kind of morphed it a little bit more into shows. So, for example, uh, let's say TakeOver was really great. Um, This past uh, year, um, I had chosen Dark Side of the Ring because I thought it was just absolutely fantastic. And for this one, the package of the year that I thought was the best was kind of a wrestling match, but it wasn't. And that's the John Cena and Bray Wyatt feud from WrestleMania. So that, you know, the what they had done there, it wasn't necessarily a wrestling match. That was a video package that they had done. 
And so that is my uh, video of the year. I actually have a tie on this one. I, I wanted to bring up because I liked all the stuff they did for Undertaker this year. I thought everything that they did basically about his, you know, doing his lore and everything like and also like, hey, this is where he started. This is how it ended. And now the character is pretty much dead, um, which is weird. Uh, and I, I thought that they did a great job of that. Um, uh, if I had to say that there was one that was there, I still think the Dark Side of the Ring series has been excellent. Um, they are doing an excellent job, and uh, I know that they're talking about doing other ones. But yeah, if I, if I had to pick one, I think just the Undertaker stuff that they showcased this year, and then if I had to pick a second one, yeah. What in would. particular for Taker? Oh gosh, there's so many things. Like I guess like it's stuff you forget. Like it's it's the little things that you forget. It's like so, like you, the broken skull session for the Undertaker. Well, or? not just the broken skull, but also them going over everything that he did. I mean, it was. I mean, just like uh, and them talking about how he was not a. Uh, um, that he he rarely broke character, and he even talked about how the a couple times he did, and he didn't like it. And you're like, oh, you you don't really think about that. Are you talking about like the last ride documentary, kind of that knockoff in the last dance that they did? Yeah, but like that, all, but everything they did for Taker, because they what five different uh, things where they showcased the Taker, which which is unusual that they would do that for just anyone, but because of the Undertaker, of course, they did. So it's just not just one thing that they did with Undertaker. It's multiple ones that they did for Undertaker. Aaron, I'm agreeing with kind of best video package of the year. It wasn't really a match, right? It wasn't an athletic competition, a criticism of both Cena's career policies. And I enjoyed it. Set a standard for the cinematic matches that I don't think was equaled. I'm going to go with – it was a tough choice for me because if I'm going to say one thing in particular or specifically for video, the Chris Benoit uh, episodes of Dark Side of the Ring were fantastic. Learned a lot of stuff from pretty heavily, but um, – I can't. I can't have that be. I mean, that was such a dark episode too. But it, uh, Doug, it was. But but like it also paints the picture of what he was doing. And like I thought they. Mm-hmm. I think also pulling the curtain back as well. Um, I, I I was worried that they were going to focus too much on the conspiracy theory about how what was it a. Uh, it doesn't matter. Is that someone else killed a uh, woman and then it was they, Kevin Sullivan? Yeah, that was he was feuding with him and and the fact that woman was. Uh, his ex-wife also. Yeah, like, I'm glad they didn't, like, focus too much on right. that. It was more of like, yeah, this is uh, what really happened. But the one thing that I think for video aspects and with all the COVID uh, special tapings and everything they had, there was one match that absolutely stands out, and that is the Stadium Stampede. Mm-hmm. That was by far, I think, the greatest COVID, you know, pre-taped everything. I mean, it just had so much actual wrestling and just side little gimmicks and everything. It just overall, just it was a it was a blast watching, it and I love watching it over and over again. I don't think Samuel Guevara would agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I, compl- I I yeah, that's a good one. So, Aaron, I gotta say, I I actually could not pick one specific person for Fallen for Grace. I have I have a few, but but you have to. Yeah, I know, but pick one. The thing is, like, the person who I kept, like, leaning towards, like, that was the one I'm like, no, it's because he had a stupid botch, and we shouldn't make fun of Evan Bourne, but in a way, like, I, I mean, time? So, like, I've I've been basically trying to narrow it down, and... He truly fell, but I don't know if he fell from grace. 
I don't know. I mean, dude. he might have fallen from grace like 12 years ago, but I don't know that he's been in the upper echelon in the last decade, to my knowledge, at least. Well, Roger, I think that you had a fallen from grace that you said that there's nobody even close. And, and I was wondering who yours was. Uh, so this is the easiest category for me to pick. There is one person who I would have said if you were to pick a breakout superstar of the next five to ten years, that he would be the guy who WWE considers a franchise cornerstone. And now he is not even on TV. There's awful allegations surrounding him and his Velveteen Dream. There is no, oh. no one who is oh. worse status-wise going from 2019 to 2020 than a guy who had went from a title contender, which he was in mainly in the early part of this year, but at this point in time, his future in wrestling alone looks uncertain. Now, maybe they're going to protect him. Maybe they build him back up. But to me, that is – he went from an internet darling, uh, very good in the ring, like I said, future franchise cornerstone, to – he hasn't been on TV in quite some time. And when he has been on TV, he's been getting his butt kicked left and right. I I think that's the biggest fall from grace of the year. Wow. That's a, that's a really good one. Um, And I agree with you on – he definitely has been one of the biggest ones. And that's due to outside – um, issues with it. Um, I actually thought that you and I were going to be um, in sync based on what you were saying because I was like, yeah, he hasn't been on TV in a while. You know, he was top of the mountain and NXT, and now he's nowhere to be found. And mine was uh, Alistair Black because I feel like they're doing absolutely nothing with him. They brought him up to the main roster. They did nothing with him for the year that he was on on Raw, and I think he's on SmackDown now. I don't know, but they're doing absolutely nothing with Alistair Black. I was going to say for mine. I, I almost have to recant this. I, I do agree with what Roger said, but um, uh, I'm going with Rusev again, just in the aspect that there's a guy that there was a lot of potential for and everything was uh, going his way. And now he's not even in the WWE at all. And then he goes over to AEW. There's a big buzz around him and really haven't seen anything from him in AEW. Um, and, you know, the the planning around him and everything, I, I don't know if that's just because of because of the COVID and no fans in the, the stands and everything like that, but the reaction for him going to AEW was, look who was in AEW, and then that was it. It fell flat right after that, and nothing from him, nothing at all, and, and hardly any potential. So uh, Rusev gets it again this year for me. Well, all right. Thanks, Doug. Um, but yeah, that's actually who I was. I was not going to say Rusev. I was going to say Mero. But yeah, R- Rusev, Mero. Yeah, I, I think that his stock has uh, incredibly fallen. It was going to be that or Dana Brooke, but I guess you got to be up there at some point to, uh, you know, then fall. <laughs> you, have to, you have to fall more than just like yeah. out of your bed. All right. I'm just going to yeah. let this go. The Miz is still the most underrated superstar in 2020. Aaron. I'll... I mean, like I, you, someone can't be that underrated all the time. He is. Like, like, what does he have to do to not be underrated for you, Andy? Does he have to be the champion? Does he, he have to win the Royal Rumble? Money in the Bank? He what does he need to do? lost the Money That's in the Bank contract. The bank, so we know Money in the Bank is a qualification. Yeah, Money in the Bank, he lost that. And all that was was to basically continue a feud. That's that. And you don't know, which, and is it because of, uh, is it Seth? What could it be? He's sitting there working his butt off. He should have had the championship, but nope, he doesn't. Oh, so a lot of your guys' choices for falling from grace are the people that I had listed under underutilized Miro, 
Um, Alistair Black, I, I think, is arguably 1B, to be quite honest, as far as underutilized, especially for how good he was in NXT and how little he's done on the main roster. But I feel like Andrade is the guy who makes less sense to me than their push. They desperately has minimal talent, in my opinion. You get somebody who's actually talented like Andrade, and you choose not to use him and slot him right into that spot. I don't understand it. We know he can wrestle. He had a great manager in Zelina Vega. I, I, to me, that he is by far someone who should be a, a staple of their main event scene. Uh, again, I think this just goes for an all, all year round. I know he just got a title shot, uh, which I was kind of surprised at, but my underrated goes... Uh, uh, there's a person who is solid year round with matches, feuds, everything that you have going. Um, but he just seems to be, you know, cast to the wayside. And I think that he was a nice little sacrificial lamb for Roman Reigns to to come back and be a legitimate contender, but not really even a legit contender because we all know Roman's going to hold that at least until WrestleMania, and that's probably the closest he's ever going to get to uh, an a challenge not a challenge but likelihood of losing it nice and uh so for me i actually this year i took it a, a slightly different direction so in previous years it's you know somebody who they're not utilizing as much or somebody that's underrated in terms of their ability and wwe or aew's not seeing that maybe and this year actually went a slightly different and that was uh it's gonna sound weird but i picked orange cassidy i had him as a number two and and i did it because not because they're not utilizing him they're totally utilizing him but because you know, he's he's pockets, right? Like, that's what he does. He puts his hands in his pockets. But when he actually turns it on, he can go. Match against Pac at um, Revolution was a really good match. And matches that, you know, him and Jericho had a, a clash of styles. But other matches that Cassie has had, when he actually turns it on, when, like, look, the comedy thing is fine a little bit. It does get a little tiresome after a while. But he can actually go. And I think if they even switch his character ever so slightly, I think that they could do really... They could do really cool things with him. He's not gonna be a world champion, but he can be a, a mid card guy, um, you know, and be that guy that helps out the the heel to get to the uh, the world champion. So are you? So you're not really saying he's underutilized. You're saying he's being misutilized. No, no, no. I'm saying he is underrated in his wrestling ability. Uh, so like in previous, oh, years, I see. Drew McIntyre was last year, right? You and I were in agreement with Drew yeah. McIntyre. Like they were not utilizing him correctly, and I'm not saying that with Orange Cassidy. I think that people are sleeping on his wrestling ability is what I think. So, joke character, essentially. Yeah. And, and like, look, there's, there's joke characters and that they're fine in that role, but Cassidy can turn it on. I think. All right. So the OMG moment of the year, uh, you know, there's, there, I think, I think a couple, but I still think the one, and it's still sitting in my brain that I was still shocked about the most because I actually was watching it live is when sting showed up in AEW um, I, the one thing that I th we should have seen the writing was on the wall when they pulled all Sting merchandise. Um, but yeah, that's what happened. Sting showed up in AEW of all things. So I was uh, very, very shocked uh, about that one. Uh, so Roger, what was your OMG moment of the year? Uh, you and I are in this. I have Sting arriving in AEW. It's less that I couldn't see Sting on, in AEW as like a thing. More so the moment of Sting being back on TNT for the first time in what felt like 20 years was, you know, if we had crowds, that would have been probably the pop of the year just because of how big of a deal Sting is. So, yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that one. That's my OMG moment of the year. 
Um, Sting showing up in AEW was a, a shock. Um, I had heard a lot of rumors for it, but I think the biggest thing or biggest OMG moment ever uh, has to go to Roman Reigns is a heel. The fact that he came out, there's something that we never thought, something they never did with John Cena, something we never thought they would ever do with Roman Reigns. And he comes back from the COVID era and he shows up with Paul Heyman and goes straight. It's the biggest storyline they still have going in WWE and it's the best thing they have right now. Oh, opposite of what they've always been and always having a a baby face as the future of the, the company to now having Roman Reigns being the baby or the, the heel, especially even coming after his cancer announcement and everything. When he took, he did come back as a baby face and was getting the cheers because of coming back from cancer and you turned him heel. What a move. That is a baller move too. You would think that, that uh, you would almost wonder if that would happen with the crowds being around right now. So Aaron, what do you got? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that would be, Kind of crazy if the crowds were there for it. Uh, just really interesting side note, Andy. In 2014, your OMG moment of the year was Sting in WWE. So it's kind of funny. That, yeah. You know, uh, Six years later, but it's the him th- in AEW. But when it comes down to it, I mean, they didn't really ha- I mean, Matt Hardy showing up was kind of an OMG, but I think we all knew that was happening. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't think that was a huge surprise. Yeah. It's I so, agree with you that Sting was a shot. I did not know it, Sting it, was going to be there. So when he showed up, I was like, what? Like, like, okay, here's, uh, here's a good example. And, so we knew that uh, the whole thing with TLC, we knew that one the one thing that happened, we knew Charlotte pretty much was coming back. Okay, so she's coming back. Like, I didn't even think that was on my radar that he would ever, you know, show up all of a sudden. And the fact that he did still is shocking to me. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, I actually had a different return, and mine was Edges. When he came out for the Royal Rumble, I know there were rumors about it, but the fact that, you know, it was a he can never wrestle again, you know, he gave it that heartfelt promo about, like, I'm... I'm done. Like, I just, I can't do it. And then he returned to wrestle in the Royal Rumble. And to me, that was, that was like, oh my God. Sting is a super close second for me. Uh, just because like, like you said, I was not expecting Sting to show up. Um, but Edge, just because we did not think he would ever be able to wrestle again. That was my uh, OMG moment. Aaron, can I ask you one quick question? Yes. Did you um, think that it was slightly ruined by having Edge come back and spear Elias at SummerSlam the previous year? Because they would not have done that, in my opinion, if he wasn't clear. That's a move that is just... I don't think that was good for a second. I don't think that necessarily ruined it, because it was like, oh, you know what? Like, maybe he's a little bit better now, so he can do some maybe minor things. Because uh, it was not that long ago that uh, Cena was the only one that could bring the uh, uh, the authority back. And so they were doing that angle where, like, oh, I'm going to like end Edge's life here. Like, you know, Seth Rollins was doing that, unless you bring back the authority. You know, and that so, was six years ago, too, by the way. Was it? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, you know, we had the authority, right? And my, I don't know, my thought was that, like, with Edge, they were going to use him in minor areas like that. With, like, with the authority, he would spear Elias, maybe, you know, he might do, like, one minor thing. But to actually come and wrestle, you know, especially when anything could happen. A spear, yes, something bad could happen, but, you know, it's kind of minor, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things. I, I don't know if that ruined it for me, because I, I was not expecting him to be there. That that was a shock to me. So, Doug, I got to ask, what was your big biggest disappointment this year? Um, <clears throat> I think we all agreed beforehand that COVID was the biggest disappointment for this year, and I mean, is to blame for all of 2020. But uh, going in my closest second, 
uh, I think was the second coming of the Me Too movement. Um, just hearing all the wrestlers and everything else that came down, and uh, it, it's disappointing to hear what what was going on backstage and the the backstabbing or the not allowing people to to wrestle just because they made an allegation or uh, even hinted at some kind of sexual misconduct. I just it's that was truly disappointing, and I think that was a business wide disappointment. Not not just independence or AEW. It's everything. I won't even. I that that was going to be mine. So yeah, the Me Too movement. It was very disappointing. Of course, not to the victims, but just you know, it. I think that it set wrestling back. I think it was starting to come back, and then I think we've seen with certain ratings and some uh, things that people were like, no. Nope. So, but uh, Roger, what is yours? Um, we are actually all in agreement. I have pretty low. Um standards for the way I expect wrestling entertainment to act and some managed to fall way below that. You know, the Me Too movement obviously was a big thing. Um, speaking out, I think, is what the official hashtag was. Yeah. And it was it was one of the more disgusting days that I recall in wrestling, just seeing name after name after name after name. And, you know, I don't know what the percentages are, but a lot of those people did some horrible things. Just um well, they were insulated and protected, and the people who were actually victimized were the ones who were cast out and treated like crap. It was just like it was one of the rare times where I was like, I don't really like being a wrestling fan. Yeah, I, I think we're all in agreement here. Not having uh, fans, obviously, that'd be the biggest thing. But you know, uh, the Me Too hitting wrestlers and and having seen the underbelly makes you go, mm. and and this is the tame version too. If this happened ten, not even ten. This happened 20, 40 years ago. Uh, you know, I don't know if any of us would be fans because we can only imagine what what the stuff that we has come out and what potentially would have come out then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So I got to ask then uh, what for wrestling for industry news in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, Roger, what is your biggest news that happened this year? So besides the two things we already talked about, um, the pandemic obviously was worldwide news and then the kind of scumminess of speaking out. I actually have the Twitch ban as my biggest news um, just because I think that could end up being a a very industry move. Like just the fact that WWE is going so strict and uh, locking people's accounts. We know people have gotten fired over it. I I don't know where it's going to lead. I don't want to speculate in that case, but I think it's it may have the biggest impact of anything that we've heard non-pandemic, you know, going forward in wrestling. Yeah. And I actually, I'll agree with you on that too. Cause I, I not just Twitch, but I thought the Twitch cameo ban or the uh, pretty much WWE cracking down on the extra money that you'll make as the uh, employee. So, and I do see WWE independent side. contractor and not employees. Remember they're yep. independent contractors. Yeah. But they, I, I mean, yeah, I don't think that we'll see that happen in, while Vince is alive. I think once Vince passes on or sells the company or whatever, you may see that that changes, that they're real employees. So, but yeah. Uh, so, Doug, what do you got? I have for my industry news, because this is an industry thing, the now cross promotion between TNA, AEW, NWA, and for the potential of possibility of even more. Uh, groups all joining together um, kind of in a joint promotion to take on WWE. Um, But I think it was a huge shock when Omega 
uh, won the belt and then went to TNA uh, to celebrate. Um, I mean, we had seen NWA with uh, doing matches on AEW. Um, I think that's just a, a minor promotion. It wasn't as big, but then once they added TNA to it, and now with rumors of New Japan also being involved, of Honor also being involved, it's just potential for a, 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 I mean, it's the biggest matchup. I mean, this is Infinity War. All these Marvel movies or all these industries coming together to take on the Thanos that is WWE. I like it. That that was actually my runner up. I was going to pick that, um, but because it kind of, I know that NWA they were doing with, but with TNA, it really just happened this month. And so that'll probably be my next year. I think uh, I might pick that depending on what all happens. But I decided to go with Raw's ratings. And the, the main thing was this. Uh, when COVID hit, we didn't have sports. Like, everything was canceled. March Madness, basketball, hockey, nothing was on. People were clamoring for live sports. And you had WWE there who, like, they didn't have people in the crowd, but you still had wrestlers. And they were wrestling each other. You had WrestleMania. And I know it was empty arena. And they did nothing. They did absolutely nothing. There was nothing on TV except wrestling, and people chose not to watch it. And the ratings have continued, continued to decline to the point now where AEW has been beating WWE, has been beating Raw in key demos. So when you have a show that's on Wednesday nights, it's a wrestling show, and it's beating demographics. I mean, that should, I mean, that should light a fire under you. And so, I mean, the, the decline in ratings for this year has been. I think that's that that um, that is crazy to think about uh, how low that that raw has gone. Time to bring the legends back. Two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah, you know that's what they'll end up doing. You know, you'll just all of a sudden oh, they they're there. Oh, jeez. Yep. They always do that crap. I don't care. I mean, I like seeing Stone Cold. Like no, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing a match with Stone Cold, but I know he can't do it. Oh well. But yeah. So uh, after we go from that, let's talk about the worst feud. Of the year. So I'm just going to say it because uh, I don't like him. I'm just say Baron Corbin. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else. Baron, we, we've done this before. What? Yeah, I've done this before. He's not out of precedent here. And, and Corbin versus anyone has been the worst you picked before. He did cool off Seth Rollins pretty much single-handedly. That's, why, that that's what I'm getting at. Think about it. Every person he has faced has been going up and then slowly going down since. Nothing at Seth, because I know he's off on paternal leave. But still, when you think about it, every, he sucks the everything that's quality out life out of that wrestler. And then says, oh, by the way, uh, you suck. Uh, I'm better than you. And I'm big. But, you know, whatever. So, yeah, I don't like Baron Corbin. So, yeah, I just have to give it to him because I want to try and get that going until he's no longer in wrestling. Um, just kidding. Just kidding. Doug, who do you have for your worst feud? Uh, I'm also going to go with one wrestler versus everybody, and that's Goldberg. <laughs> I, I hate saying it. I love Goldberg, but his feuds, I'm, I don't need to. Uh, his, the Goldberg Fiend fiasco was horrible. And then you have, unfortunately, what was it? Goldberg was supposed to face Roman Reigns, and then Roman has to bow out due to COVID, and then you, you throw in Braun Strowman in what could be considered probably one of the worst wrestlemania matches in history yeah i actually i picked the same thing i, I although i went goldberg versus fiend slash roman slash braun you know because like it was one sp- particular story that they were going with but yeah it's it, it was goldberg i mean th- that was absolutely atrocious 
I don't disagree with you guys about Goldberg, but I would probably um, than not. Um, to me, the worst feud that I can think of, it was one ever. Um, it was Tribution, which is probably my runner-up. <laughs> uh, Rusev versus Lana and Bobby was so bad. It was getting main event slots. They were doing stupid webs. I don't that feud. I don't think any of them came out looking better. That goes down as one of the worst feuds I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, it, there's not a single thing that I can remember from that feud that I would say was a positive. It Does it make you bad. sad, though, that that was one of their highest ratings that they were getting was during that feud of Rusev and Bobby? It doesn't surprise me. Like, I, I think anyone who's old enough for the 90s knows that. But that that was bad. Like, that was just bad. That was, that was now, Roger, going from uh, worst to best, what was the best feud of the year for you? It does seem you have two months that had a crowd and then the other 10 months that did not have stood out to me. Um, it's a feud that's been simmering for quite some time. It was uh, Bailey versus Sasha. I thought it was really that kind of set the seeds of decision and things like that. I, there's been a couple good feuds that I've really enjoyed, but I'm considering the payoff that we got, finally letting Sasha become the champion and defend the title, some really good matches. Uh, Bailey Sasha is my feud of the year. I think that is the best between all the wrestlers is between Bailey and Sasha, but my favorite feud uh, throughout the whole year has been NXT versus AEW. Just them going back and forth. You can see them doing their because they weren't doing necessarily pay-per-views, uh, but they were doing specials on Wednesday nights. They could pull the ratings from the other uh, uh, aspect and, and even to the fact that WWE bent for a little bit and moved NXT to uh, was it Tuesday nights uh, just to see what the ratings would do. And, and, and it showed AEW did way better uh, during those, those uh, NXT was not on. So uh, and yeah, I'm, and I'm actually in agreement with Roger um, just because the, uh, they weren't necessarily feuding at the beginning of the year, the simmering was there and you just, you knew, Oh, this is a powder keg about to explode. And while was the payoff that great, mm, wasn't that great, but because of the thing that really drew me in, and that's another one, and you know there were feuds that were you know a month long, or this was a couple months, um, but this one was one that was months. Like that's that's good. Gargano or Gargano and Champa, those were like just get this one and done thing. You want to get multiple uh, months out of it. So, um, so I'm also you know there were two matches between the two of them on a nine month feud. Very non WWE like. They did two matches and let it die. Very unlike WWE. And I'm also going to say that was the best feud of the year. I mean, there was really, um, and, you know, I was trying to f- think of other ones from either Impact or even AEW, but the only one that stood out really still was well, Bailey Banks. So, uh, but yeah, so that goes into my woman of the year. Uh, I'm I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think Sasha Banks might be the woman of the year, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that. So, Aaron, who do you have? Yeah, um, I think that, yeah, I think that those are the two really to choose from. That I think that they were head head and shoulders above everyone else. There, there are some arguments I know with a good, you know, protagonist. You need a good antagonist, and I think that Bailey, oh, she was so annoying a lot of the times, but like in a, a good heel way. You know, not the like, oh my god, I'm going to change the channel. It was an X Pac heat, uh, but there were things that she did that were like, okay, I, I like what you're doing here. I like the promos you're giving. You are these for this. So uh, mine is actually Bailey. You could almost give them co-championships between Bailey and Sasha. It was down to those two, but 
Um, I think with Sasha getting the win over uh, Bailey at the very end, I think that tops it overall. So I give it to Sasha. Uh, Bailey and Sasha clearly are in my top two. I actually think there's much more of a case for EO and Asuka than people are giving them credit for. They were pretty fantastic throughout the entire year. Um, but I think Bailey and Sasha's feud puts that over probably any feud that EO has had and Asuka has had. And I think even Bailey and Sasha's feud with Asuka is probably Asuka's best feud so far. To me, I, I'm in agreement with Aaron that I think Bailey is the, the woman of the year just because she was such a good heel. Like she was annoying in the right way. She wasn't Xbox heat, like Aaron said. You wanted to see Sasha beat her. And at every turn, you know, the heel turn was despicable. I thought the payoff was very good because Sasha finally won on pay-per-view after losing the previous two Hell in a Cell and then successfully defended her title. Finally, it was it's like, that's what you want in a feud. But it was, it was the opposite of Rusev versus Lana. Both people, in my opinion, came out looking great in that. And Doug, what do you, who do you think the best tag team was? A wholehearted it's got to be the Young Bucks. They had match uh, match of the year con- uh, candidates uh, multiple times probably throughout the whole year, whether it be COVID or what, pre-crowds, post-crowds, anything. It, it was it was the Young. Now that they have actually even gotten the titles over uh, FTR and are holding it, and there's so much still potential they can do with the titles. Um, and, and moving forward with everything that they're doing, and I'm actually gonna, and I'm, yep, and I'm in agreement. With, I'm also in agreement with you too, Aaron. So, I, so the, I guess uh, we're in agreement with that. So, I do agree, Young Bucks as well. Uh, take, and Aaron, what, what is your thoughts on the Young Bucks? Yeah, no, I, I agree with Doug on that. I think that the Young Bucks, uh, you know, put on, uh, they did really good this year, and what they had done. Uh, as Doug had said with Omega and Page and then with FTR and some of the other uh, spots that they're currently doing. So, yeah, Young Bucks, I think, have been the best tag team this year. And Roger, who do you have for your uh, the best tag team for 2020? Well, I'm going to say this. I think the Young Bucks were very good in 2020. I think they put on an unbelievably great match. I want to say Retribution against Omega and Page. I, I do have one question for the three of you. What was the purpose of their heel turn? Or well, let me let me say this. What was the purpose of them super kicking all of the good guys that they did? Like that bit of storytelling bothers me because nothing came of it. They were bad guys who were stuffing and taking fines and kicking Shivani and kicking all of the refs to go back to classic baby faces. I think they're more of a being the elite uh, angle. They did a lot more with that on being the elite than they ever did with uh, anything on Dynamite. Yeah, it was not explained. Like, as someone who watched Dynamite, I have no idea why we were treating them as uh, classic baby faces when they basically spent a decent amount of time going around acting like heels. I mean, that's what, you know, they were, they were kicking uh, Shivani and kicking refs. So I still think they were good. I just simply think they were second to me, the best team who's been the best tag team probably pretty consistently, FTR. I, th- I think they absolutely were the top team for all of 2020. All right. Well, speaking of the Bucks, I do admit that this is probably weighted very heavily to when you had crowd reactions, um, because I think wrestling is better with crowd reactions. It, it, there's something about wrestling matches that really feeds and dries off that crowd energy. And that match at Revolution, and, and we talked about how good it was, the tag match with Bucks and Page and Omega. I don't know that it got topped. The only one that I could think off the top of my head that was really close was Pac versus Omega. Their awesome 30-minute Iron Man match was really good. 
I, I, I got to go with Bucks versus Page and Omega. I think that is going to be your 2020 match of the year. I'll be surprised if that doesn't sweep. Well, Andy, I, how I about might you? as well just sweep it now. So, yes, that that was my match of the year, hands down. Now, Doug, you and I were very lucky. We got to see this is the last like big wrestling event before COVID happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you and I were just like in shock and awe. And this is like in the middle of the, the card, too. It was like, oh, this isn't getting any better. Like, I guess we could leave, you know. But like, I mean, your thoughts I mean, during the match, I mean, you where you would sit there thinking, oh, this is my match of the year. It's in February. You're like February 29th here. Like, just cut it off here. I don't think I thought of that until the very, very end. And just the the recap aspect of it where I, I had to watch it again as soon as I got home. Uh, I was in a lot of pain uh, when we went to go see. Unfortunately, I had a knee injury. Um but I can honestly say throughout that whole thing, never once did I think about the pain in my knee. I remember standing several times just to see what happened just because of everybody else standing around. Um, from from the start to the ending, uh, when, when you thought Hangman might even turn on Omega at the very end, it was just a magical one. Of the, after you saw it, it was like, this is it. This is match of the year so far, and it's February. And it's going to be hard to beat. Um, it was everybody who saw it and and enjoyed it, like Andy and Roger. Uh, it was just that much more special to actually be there and see it. I already went. You started with. Yeah, we swept this. Yep. So, okay, since it was pretty obvious, in my opinion, that we were going to sweep, what was people's second match? Mm-hmm. Or was there? Was it one of those ones like Velveteen for me where nothing really... Close. I, I think it, I think yeah, well, I think, were, I think the, war games stood, I think stood out a little. Or let me rephrase this question better. Of the pandemic era, what was the best match to you? Hmm. Stadium Stampede. That was an entertaining. Match. I think yeah, that's you know it's funny because there's there's part of that where you go you know like yeah, I was entertained by that like mm-hmm. you know is that the best match like maybe you know so like, I don't know it, I will say this. In the pandemic era, for me, I know it's it's gonna be different for me. For me, there hasn't been a match that has stood out where I go, one people need to see. Whereas, like, I, I'm taking a look at our match of the years that I, I've picked out personally, and all of these, I could tell somebody like, you should watch this. And if you're a casual wrestling fan, you will love. Like, this will be like, oh man, I want to get back into wrestling. Um, I can't think of one during the, unfortunately, you know. And that's not to say that there haven't been any good ones, but there's not one that sticks out in my mind in the same way some of these others do. What do you got, Roger, for your, your the second best match? Uh, I asked the question, but I mean it. I I'm, I'm actually with Aaron in the sense of like I don't know that I have a match that I would point and say like if you're not a wrestling if I if I had to pick one um, I really enjoyed Sasha versus Bailey in the cell I I just I don't know that I've seen that match Cole versus Keith Lee was even really solid um, Kyle O'Reilly versus Finn Balor was really good. But I think they're all four-star matches. Like I think they're just really good, hard to get that great match without getting that injury from the crowd. I'd probably pick Mox versus uh, MJF. I'd probably say like that's the best match of the pandemic or that I saw. One of those two because that was so absurd that it just stands out as like that was fun. Like <laughs> it has me thinking about it way more than any other match did. It's exactly how everyone's put it. It's basically like where do you because like standing in Stampede like th- that was an awesome match. That uh, like I th- I think it's one of those where it's like great we found it hol- well not in the right mindset but I think that uh, I don't know if like it find it as amusing as we did. 
See, I think people outside of wrestling would, would enjoy that match, um, just in the hilarity of it. And I think it was the right time, right moment for that match, onset of the COVID era uh, of wrestling. And and it was just one of those things, I think, that it hit all the right things at the right time. It was uh, pre-taped, but they exploited the pre-tape to perfection. Are you saying that's good, that's, that's good-ish, is what you're saying? Yeah. It's it's a, it's a four point five. Four point five. Nice. All right. So now we got to move on to the number one category. That is the wrestler of the years and the person who you think was here. And uh, you know, there's uh, so many that I could pick from, but still. And uh, so, Doug, who do you got? Um, I, I went with Omega this year in that aspect of with him being in the match for uh, best match of the year, and then him getting the title and now everything that he's doing uh, that, that match against him and Moxley was, I think again, top five matches for me this year. Um, It it led to the industry news uh, being what it is. Um, It might even be the precursor to the fact that Kenny Omega is probably going to win wrestler of the year next year with all the potential that is behind this. Um, So I'm just jumping on the bandwagon early so that I could say I was there first and Kenny Omega wrestler of the year. Yeah. Kenny Omega was good. Um, but I have him I like uh, their MVP. If you have great stats through eight games, you don't qualify for the MVP. And in my, even if you throw 25 touchdowns and two picks, it's like, Hey, thanks for playing, but you didn't play 16 games to me. Omega was a tag wrestler for half a year. And look, he was a great tag wrestler. Like, I'm not taking anything away from him, but Moxley was a singles wrestler. He was the champion. He put on really good matches with a variety of opponents, whether you're talking about Brody Lee, Brian Cage, MJF, obviously the classic with Kenny Omega. I even enjoyed the match. I knew mm-hmm. for a fact Mox was going to win, but it was a fun and brutal fight. I think he was consistent all the way through. It's John Moxley for me, hands down. Nice. And then, uh, so for me, uh, I'm actually picking Roman Reigns, and I know that he had been out for part of the year. Uh, you know, because of the COVID stuff. But, you know, what he did the first part of the year, it was the typical Roman Reigns. But he came back at SummerSlam. And since then, I mean, he has just been, he has been the highlight of SmackDown. And I think that's the thing that is so crazy to say that John Cena, because like what he had done that year, it was like, you know, he is the best, you know, wrestler that year, the best overall guy. And similarly, I think that with Roman Reigns, they have turned him you know, from a, you know, quote unquote fan favorite to somebody that everyone is. And that's a good thing. They, what we've been asking for. And I thought that this was, I almost feel like this is, but it's almost like when Hogan turned heel, whoa, like you, this is a whole new. And I think it's almost very similar to that, where I think with Reigns, I think he's a brand new character. So uh, Roman Reigns is my 2020 wrestler of the year. And I, that's something I thought I would never, ever say to go back in time. Oh, yeah. You're fussing about Roman Reigns. (laughs) You know what's funny? I know I I said this one time about Andy, about, um, you know, oh, in 10 years, the way that everybody talks about how Cena was so great back in the day and forgets all his bad crap, they're going to talk about Roman Reigns. And here we are in 2020, and Aaron's calling him the wrestler of the year. Imagine saying that in 2015. We'd be laughing. Like, that that just Mm. seems ridiculous. But tells you maybe a heel turn uh, is not a bad idea for people. Just saying. and I will say to Doug's point, actually, I agree with you. I think that Kenny Omega, because it happened in December, it's like had a great December. And 
I think that next year he might have, like, even if it's a great first six months, you know, and then like, you maybe, you know, it's a kind of a, a teeter off a little bit, but I think Omega, you know, is an early favorite for me for 2021. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this, uh, this year, you know, it's been a very interesting year in the world of professional wrestling. We've seen ratings decline for one place. One, one go up dramatically COVID, uh, you know, speak out. Uh, gosh, there's been so many things. And you know what the weird part is about some of those things? You, you, the people who you thought maybe would have like a little bit of an edge because of their character, it's just the character. So, John Moxley, great example. So, but anyways, but yeah, so that, that was our rewards for this year. Um, if I could take, uh, if you one thing, one thing, it would be to have Aaron from 2015 listen to this show if we could go back in time. And same thing with me as well, and all you guys, because I think we'd be like, "What the heck are you talking about?" But you know, Aaron, you know, of all the, everyone who you know, we all picked. Uh, uh, we had Omega, we had, um, uh, uh, gosh, Triple H, right, Aaron? You picked Triple H mm-hmm. this year, yep. And uh, oh yeah, yeah, totally. picked Seth Rollins. So I guess it all worked out, right? Anyways, so um, anyway, so that's our awards for this year. If you uh, have a problem with them, you can always send us. Wait, a- wait, wait. Can we point out one thing? What's that? The Shield won three of our four awards. That's true. I mean, if you talk about mm-hmm. what a, a wrestling group is designed to do, it is designed to get those groups to become stars. And five, six years after they broke up, three of us each picked a different wrestler of the Shield as the best in 2020. That screams, that's, that's evolution style. That's maybe better than evolution success because they made two new stars. They made, they made three legitimate stars out of that group. Like that's, that's talent. Unbelievable. I never thought of it that way. Um, to go to a different uh, program, though. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I mean, with, the way Roman, with the way Roman has been booked, he's basically on a different show. Yeah. <laughs> like, Moxley's much closer to Ambrose than Tribal Chief is to, I don't the big dog. <laughs> the big dog. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right, so that's all the time we have for this this special. If you have if you have any questions or comments or you want to attack us on anything we picked, go ahead and hit us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. All right, so that's all the time we have for this special. If you're into the Twitter, you follow the show at All the Market Six. I want to thank 86 Productions for hosting and editing the podcast, and I want to thank all of our listeners for taking time down and listen to the show. And Doug Hahn and Roger Cave and Aaron Hughes. I'm Andrew Hughes, and until next time, we'll see you in the ring.